This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the 18th day of July, 2023. We're over halfway through July, which means we're halfway through summer. We've got August and then September and school starting, and wow, (laughs) time is flying by. Wasn't it just a couple of weeks ago? It was the 1st of June? Uh, Yeah. The brevity of life. Every year it uh, is more apparent to me. Um, Yeah, we are flying through the year, flying through the month, flying through the days, and... It's, it's something that, uh, you know, our life, life is short when the, the Bible talks about, you know, our life is like a, a whiff of steam that's here and it's gone. You know, I mean, watch the, watch the steam coming off a kettle of water, you know, it rises out of the spout and it's gone, you know, on a cold day, you might get, you know, several inches. On a hot day, it vanishes almost instantly. And that's that's life, folks. Life's short, which is why we need to be reconciled with God. Because eternity is looming over all of us. And where will you spend it? Will you spend your eternity in hell, being punished for your sins? Or will you accept the gracious gift of God through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and spend eternity with God in heaven? Repent and believe the gospel. All right, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. We are a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out the over 50 great Christian doctrinally sound podcasts you will find over there. Um, Last I counted, I think there were like 56. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and count again. But uh, I encourage you to do that. You will find something worth listening to. All right, folks. Uh, What we got coming up today is prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And we have our study Bible level Bible study. We're picking up in Deuteronomy chapter 8 today. Don't know how far we're going to get. I'm just going to go paragraph by paragraph and we'll, we'll check it out. I think I mentioned last week that I've got the, uh, I've I got a new uh, Legacy Standard Bible giant print reference Bible, so it's it's paragraph format. Got all the cross references and stuff at the bottom. Has a concordance and maps in the back. This is a this is be a good uh, daily Bible for your, you know, if you're if you're 
over really 45, over 45 or 50. Large print is a nice thing. <laughs> um, I remember I've got a a little compact ESV Bible. I'm not sure where it is. It's on one of these shelves, and it it is a it's a small little Bible, and I loved it because it was it was real easy. You could throw it in your back pocket. You throw it in a you know if you're wearing cargo pants, it fit you know easily into the cargo pocket. It was kind of my daily carry Bible for a long time because I like having the full text of the Bible with me in, in case I get into a conversation with somebody. And, you know, New Testament's great, but I like having the whole Bible. And so I carried that for years. And it has the tiniest print. And I remember when I got it, I had no problem reading it. Now, I'm like, where's a magnifying glass? You know, that Bible is almost unusable for me now after all the years that I carried it. Um, now, I have a, a large print, compact, New American Standard Bible, which is just out of reach over here. And, and that was my daily carry Bible for a long time. Um, and I'm waiting for them to come out with that in the New American Standard or in the Legacy Standard Bible. Now, they are coming out with a compact Bible this fall. And I'm not sure how big the print is. I'm going to have to take a look at that. Um, if it's not a tiny print, that might be a good daily carry Bible. I like having a small Bible that doesn't take up much room that you can carry with you wherever you go on a plane, on a, you know, where you don't have to have a backpack or whatever to, to carry your Bible around in. Um, I, I, I like, I got a, uh, the LSB two column Bible, which doesn't have references. Um, but it's, it's just the, just the text verse by verse. And that's the Bible that I used at camp this summer. Um, because it was small enough. I, I carried around a satchel, so I had it with me all the time, but it was, uh, you know, big enough that I could use it, but small enough that it wasn't you know, my big, uh, uh, big inner column reference Bible that I used for preaching. So, um, but yeah, I like the new giant print. Um, it's a, it's a nice size. This is the imitation leather. Of course, I didn't spend a lot of money on it. Um, this is the, the imitation leather cover. It's also available, I believe in hardback. But this is, uh, it's, and of course you can get all the fancy leathers as well. And the reason I'm liking this one is it, uh, it's very much like my old preaching Bible. Because I used to use a giant print New American Standard preaching Bible. And this is the same layout. Same, same, uh, same format, same references, everything only in the Legacy Standard Bible. Um. Pages are a little bit thin for me. I like a thicker paper, but they did really good line matching. So it, it doesn't bleed through. It's actually a much better, the line matching in this is much better than my old NASB giant print. Um, but it is a thin paper. I, I prefer a thicker paper. But in this Bible, a thicker paper would be a monster. So it is a, it is a good 
good Bible, and uh, it's what I've been using as my my daily reader. It's become the Bible that's within reach of me here at the desk all the time. If I want to look something up, and I'm, you know, I can grab it and flip it open, or if I want to read a long passage, I like my Bible software, and I use Accordance. Um, Again, none of these organizations sponsor Squirrel Chatter. We are a non-commercial podcast. But I, I use Accordance, love Accordance. Um, great for, as somebody said, Accordance is a Bible software, whereas Logos is a uh, library software. I don't have Logos. Um, I... I I, I just I like Accordance because I use the software for Bible, although I have commentaries and stuff on on Accordance as well. But so I, I use the Accordance software when I'm studying. But when I just want to read, I've gotten to the point now that I want to get back to a paper Bible. And so this giant print Bible has been the Bible I've just kept within reach. Here at the desk, along with my uh, Nasby MacArthur Study Bible, which is actually isn't near the desk right now, because uh, I took it to camp as well, left it in the car. But that was if I had to if I had to uh, look something up, I wanted I wanted a reference Bible, so I had I had my MacArthur Study Bible with me at camp in the car if I needed it, but. Uh, so yeah, we are, we are looking at Deuteronomy chapter 12, beginning in verse 8. Like I said, I'm just going to go paragraph by paragraph as we go through it. So that's what we got coming up today. Let's begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Our devotional today is entitled, How to Be Least in Christ's Kingdom. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5:19a. Dr. MacArthur writes, The result of a believer's practicing or teaching disobedience of any part of Scripture is to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Called does not refer merely to what people say about us, but what God says about us. Others usually know nothing of or don't care about our disobedience, but God always knows and cares. It is completely God's prerogative to determine rank in his kingdom, 
See Matthew 20, 23. Therefore, he has a perfect right to hold those in lowest esteem who have a low esteem for the word. This does not mean the Lord will take away the offender's salvation. They are still in the kingdom of heaven, but it does mean they will forfeit certain blessings and reward to whatever extent they are disobedient and disrespectful. The Apostle John warned his readers, Watch yourselves, that you do not lose what we have ac accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. 2 John 8 If we ignore or reject even the most minor aspect of God's law, we devalue all of it, James 2.10, and join the ranks of God's least. It should be the highest concern of us who profess, our, profess to love our Savior and Lord, never to prompt him to call us the least. Ask yourself, few of us would admit to devaluing the word of God, but perhaps that's because we limit to one or two the number of ways this is done. How might a person show disrespect for the scripture's authority and teaching beyond the most obvious offenses? All right. Good thought-provoking devotional this morning from Dr. MacArthur. Now let's pray for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Now, just as an aside, we started Deuteronomy 12 last Tuesday, a week ago today, and then on Wednesday was the episode where I had failed to notice that my soundboard was not talking to my computer so that the live stream did not have any sound. And that caused a great deal of issue because I ripped the audio for the audio podcast off the recording of the video. So as I'm as I'm streaming here, I've got my my broadcast software recording the video, which you're watching if you're watching on video on, on Twitter, Facebook, or Rumble. And then I, I take the audio off of that and post it as the audio podcast. I'm not doing a separate recording of the audio. And so with the soundboard not talking to the computer, then I had no audio recording of last Wednesday's podcast. So the, the teaching that I did in Deuteronomy 12.8 vanished into the ether. I suppose we could hire a, a lip reader to reconstruct my words, but that would be quite a bit of a hassle. So we're we're actually redoing what you didn't get last Wednesday. So we're we're picking up in Deuteronomy chapter eight, or chapter twelve, verse eight. If you want to listen to verses one through seven, that was last Tuesday's podcast to get caught up. And so this is the passage that. We, we were to cover in ver, uh, on Wednesday's podcast that fell through the cracks 
due to technical difficulties. All right. I'm going to do this paragraph by paragraph. So let us begin with Deuteronomy 12, verses 8 through 12. The word of the Lord reads, You shall not do at all what we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the resting place and the inheritance which Yahweh your God is giving you. Now you will cross the Jordan and live in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you to inherit, and he will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live in security. Then it will be that the place in which Yahweh your God will choose for his name will to dwell. There you shall bring all that I am commanding you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution of your hand, and all your choice votive offerings which you will vow to Yahweh. And you shall be glad before Yahweh your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and your female slaves, and the Levite who is within your gate, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. So again, we're, we're looking at the instructions for worship once Israel is in the land. Now, Moses begins here by saying, you're not going to do, you shall not do, what we're doing here today every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. He's not talking here about moral decisions, although that was probably certainly true. I think that's true of the majority of people throughout time, um, that, that people do what's right in their own eyes and, and reject the truth of God's word. That's just the human condition. He's talking here about the worship of Israel in the wilderness. There seems to have been some relaxation of the regulations or failure to observe the regulations. Um, and, and, and just a lot of it had to do with the fact that Israel was all together. The, the nation was together. They weren't spread out through the promised land. They were together in the camp. Now, it was a big camp. Um, some have estimated that the the camp of the Israelites in the desert was roughly half the size of the state of Delaware. I don't know how accurate that is, but I, I did read that somewhere. And it, it certainly was a large camp because you're dealing with, you know, millions of people. And when we think about the wandering in the wilderness... I know I've mentioned this before, but it's a good thing to remember. When we think about the wandering in the wilderness, they're not stumbling around in the desert day after day after day with no clue of where they were. They were not lost. And they mostly were just living a nomadic life in that they encamped for a season in a place and then they would move to another place where they would stay for a season. And so, you know, they, they were camping in the same camping places year after year after year as they, you know, would exhaust the grazing land for the herds and then move on to the next area. Um, of course, they were being fed by manna from heaven. 
Um, God was watching over them and providing for them, but they weren't wandering around lost. They knew where they were. They knew where the promised land was. They were under the judgment of God that they had to wander in the wilderness until that entire generation that refused to enter the promised land had passed away. But during that time, apparently their offering and their sacrifices was not as regulated as it could have been. There was some sort of laxity. And so Moses is saying that's not going to be allowed when you come into the promised land. And the reason it's not going to be allowed is because you're going to, you're going to have to be more deliberate because you will be more spread out. And so a lot of what he's talking about here in chapter 12 is dealing with the, the sacrifices in the spread out um, nation as they spread through the promised land. So he says, you know, we're not going to do what we're doing here today, every man doing it what's in his own right, for you have not as yet come to the resting place and your inheritance, which Yahweh your God is giving you. Now you will cross the Jordan and live in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you to inherit, and he will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live in security. So they're going to be conquering the land. And at the end of the conquest, when things settle down, now Israel was never fully at peace, and Israel will never be fully at peace until the the messianic kingdom of the millennium. But there were periods of time. I mean, there was, there was more peace than not at times. Um, as the, the conquest ended and the enemies were deposed, and, and we know reading from Joshua, there were all sorts of problems with that, but they didn't, you know, they didn't depose all the enemies. And then in Judges, we see the continuing, you know, cycle of, Rebellion, judgment, repentance, peace, rebellion, judgment, repentance, peace, that, that cycles through the book of Judges. Um, and even that continues through the time of Saul and even into the time of King David. Um, I think it's, it's finally, you know, there seems to be a, a peaceful period during Solomon's reign. Um, because he was that powerful and that wealthy. But then when he passed away, that fell apart again. You had the divided kingdom. You had all of the, the wars renewed. Uh, and then that, of course, ended with the northern kingdom being captured by Assyria in the 700s. And then the you know, around 600, Babylon captured the southern kingdom. So we see the... The, the destruction that, you know, that cycle that that begins in Judges because of Israel's failure to conquer the land, that continues throughout the entire Old Testament history of Israel um, to the point that, you know, after the Babylonian captivity, Israel wasn't an independent nation. They were, they were governed by the Persians. They were governed by the Greeks, and they were governed by the Romans. So 
Israel was never an independent nation after the Babylonian captivity. Um, and this is a judgment against Israel, and we'll see as we get to the end of Deuteronomy that that judgment was foretold. But he's saying here, God's going to give you rest from all your enemies all around you so that you will live in security, and he's referring to the end of the conquest. He's not referring to the ultimate time of peace at the end. And he says that then it will be that the place in which Yahweh your God will choose for his name to dwell, there you shall bring all that I am commanding you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution of your hand, and all your choice votive offerings which you will vow to Yahweh. So the the there is going to be a central point of worship where all of Israel is to gather regularly to worship God. It is the place to which the sacrifices are to be brought. It is the place where the sacrifices and the observances are to be kept. It is the, the place where you know, Yom Kippur will be celebrated. It's the place where Passover will be celebrated. This is, there's going to be a central location. Now, again, in the camp, there was the tabernacle in the center of the camp, but the camp was all together. What do you do when you're hundreds of miles from the tabernacle? And we know from the scriptures that twice a year, every male Israelite was to travel to Jerusalem for the sacrifices. Now, that was an arduous journey. This wasn't something that you undertook lightly. Um, you know, no trains, no planes, no automobiles. You, you didn't just, you know, hop on the train in, in, in uh, Galilee and end up in Jerusalem the next day. It was a, a journey of days. And, and that would have been, you know, but Israel was not as far flung as, you know, that it would have been weeks and months to get there. But it was certainly days from anywhere in, in Jerusalem. It took multiple days to walk to Jerusalem, anywhere in Israel. I am out of coffee. Pardon me while I pour more coffee. The next sound you hear is my thermos. Oh, yeah. Smelling that coffee. I'm having one of those coffee mornings. Where I just need to drink more coffee. My cup was almost empty when I normally I pour a fresh cup and I start the before I start the podcast and I didn't today. So, hey, this is live podcasting. So you end up with me pouring coffee for myself. I don't have a staff to bring me another cup of coffee. Mm. That was one of the funniest things I watched. Uh, <laughs> um, I can't remember. I think it was PBS, which is be a stunning thing. They were doing a. They would occasionally put cameras in radio studios, and kind of do simulcasting for. And they had a show, and I can't remember what it was. No, it was C-SPAN. C-SPAN was it C-SPAN or PBS? I don't remember, but sometime back in the 90s, when Rush Limbaugh was still in New York City, they 
set up cameras in his studio. And this was long before the Ditto Cam, long before the website and any of that. This was just, I think it was C-SPAN. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was C-SPAN, but it may have been PBS. But they they had a camera in Rush Limbaugh's studio, and they actually they like followed him around for a day as there was behind-the-scenes stuff in his office and things like that. And this is when he was in WABC in New York. So early days of the show. We're talking early 90s. Um, I actually think it was during the 1990 presidential election, um, if I'm remembering some of the stuff he was talking about. So George H.W. Bush would have been president, and Bill Clinton was running for for presidency. So that's how long far back it was. But, you know, he was... You know they would they would have the cameras running during the commercial breaks, and that was when he would ask his staff to bring him another cup of coffee and stuff. Um, but I don't have a staff to do that for me. I have to pour my own coffee. Verse twelve, and you shall be glad before Yahweh your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female slaves, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. So. The worship of God is to be joyful. And it's to be joyful because of the thanksgiving we have in our hearts for all that he has done for us. Both physically and temporally here on this earth. I woke up this morning, so did you. That's something to be joyful for. So, we're, you know, just the, you know, I haven't eaten yet today, but there's food in the kitchen. So when I'm done with the podcast, I can go have breakfast. I have coffee. <laughs> Hopefully you have coffee or your favorite morning beverage with you. There is much to be grateful for in this life. And we are to be joyfully thankful to God for these things. But to a greater extent, the... the uh, eternal things he has done for us the you know ultimately at the cross but israel had lots to be thankful for they were no longer slaves in egypt they at, and and moses is talking about a time when they're no longer wandering in the wilderness they're going to have the land that god promised to abraham isaac and jacob and that land is going to be something they could be grateful for so this whole time is supposed to be a time of joy. A time, uh, you know, it's a, there's a somber joy in the worshiping of God. There's a somberness because we understand the seriousness of it. If we truly understand who God is, how holy God is, and how sinful we are, it's serious business. Serious, somber business. Even praying for the things of this world, as we pray for, you know, our government and the the political situations of our nation and the the political situations of our globe, and you know, we've got war in Ukraine. You know, that's not the only war in the world. That's just the one we're hearing about. Um, there's, I mean. 
last I read, there's and I I haven't been keeping up on world events like I have in the past, um, just because it does get depressing. But there's unrest all over the globe. Um, just I mean the the just south of the border into Mexico, you're you're you know Mexico is almost anarchy with the gangs and the drugs and the, the, the corrupt government. And I could not imagine living down there. Um, recently, Janet and I picked up uh, the, the complete series on DVD of Simon and Simon, which is one of the, the, the best detective shows of the early 80s. Um, brothers Rick and A.J. Simon as as they were little running a small detective agency in San Diego well because it's San Diego they're right right at the Mexican border and a lot of their cases took them into Mexico and watching that now from 40 years later and realizing how much different Mexico was 40 years ago than it is now. It was a much more peaceful. Now it was more lawless than the United States. And, and that, you know, played into a lot of the, the uh, shows, but it was a much more peaceful than it is now. Um, and, and you know, where you could go I, 1976, I'm 11 years old. Family's on vacation. I'm the youngest of three children. I have two older sisters. I'm 11 years old. We're on vacation. And during that vacation, we visited El Paso, Texas. Um, Dad was a huge Marty Robbins fan, and I think visiting El Paso, you know, just to, to, to be able to say out in the West Texas town of El Paso, you know, um, that song, uh, El Paso, if you've never heard it, you should find it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Um, out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Great song. Great song. Marty Robbins was, was a gift to all of us. Um, and it, I, I have all of his gunfighter ballad albums on my iTunes playlist. Because every once in a while you just want to relive those. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. A lot of those songs would just make great movies. Um, but I digress. But when we were in El Paso in 1976, we went over the Rio Grande into Juarez and spent the day in Juarez, you know, just wandering around, shopping, seeing, you know, being in Mexico, just kind of as a, hey, let's go spend the day in Mexico because we were there on the border. Juarez, now, there's no way you'd take your teenage daughters to Juarez. You, nobody would want to go into Juarez just as a date for tourism. It's just too dangerous. You know, it's, it's not a place that you, you would feel safe, but at the time, you know, the mid seventies, 
that was a tourist town and it was a safe place to go with your family you know and and so just times change all of that to say you know uh, I don't even know how I got off on that um, but uh, you know that the, there was a lot to be glad for they were gonna be living in peace it says that uh, the central place of worship back into verse 11 the central place of worship is where you're gonna bring all your sacrifices your tithes your offerings the contribution of your hand all your choice votive offerings which are uh, offerings as part of a vow to God um, and you shall be glad before Yahweh you your sons and your daughters your male and your female slaves now remember slavery in Old Testament Israel is not at all like the chattel slavery of the English colonies that was abolished finally with the Civil War in the 1860s. The slavery in ancient Israel was primarily to help those who were in debt. It was an indentured servitude for a period of time and it was people would sell themselves into slavery for the purpose of paying off their debts because they had gotten themselves into debt. Um, and so in, in a lot of ways it was a, it, it was a system for the handling of debts, but you, you didn't just get a handout. Your debts weren't just forgiven. You had to work them off. And that was the, the slavery that, took place. But here, notice, you're supposed to be glad with your sons and daughters, with your male and female slaves, because they were to be considered part of the family. You would worship with them. You provided for them. If you had slaves, the reason you had slaves was you were caring for them. Most of the time, slaves would be family. You know, you, you got yourself into a lot of trouble financially, and you know, Uncle Uncle Saul was wealthy. And so you could indenture yourself to Uncle Saul to pay off your debt. So a lot of times you, you were enslaved to family. It was just part of the family relationship. But it wasn't the kind of chattel slavery with the abuses that we saw in the um, American South, for example. One of the things that's really interesting is the fact that in the same law of Moses, the type of slavery is, that, that existed in the American South was called man-stealing. And the, that, that was a slavery that was actually condemned and punishable by death. So don't, you know, which would have been what they did to the, what, what uh, Joseph's brothers did to him where they captured him and sold him into slavery. That was, according to the law of Moses, a sin, a crime punishable by death. So, but, uh, and then he says you're supposed to, uh, you know, worship with the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. The Levites were not given any farmland. The, Le the inheritance of the Levites was the Lord. 
They did not get a territory in Israel. All of the other tribes were given territorial land. So you had the land of Benjamin, you had the land of Naphtali, you had the, you know. But the Levites did not get a portion of land. They were to be supported by the other tribes because theirs was the work of the ministry of the tabernacle and the temple. You know, first the tabernacle and later the temple. And the 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 thing that is that it's interesting to think about was now this is something that I, I was asked this online the other day or saw the question online I answered it it wasn't asked specifically to me but somebody was asking what's the difference between the Levites and the priests so just to the the Levites is the entire tribe that's descended from Jacob's son Levi those are the Levites. The priests are descended from Aaron, Moses' brother, and Moses and Aaron were Levites. So all of the priests are Levites, but not all of the Levites are priests. Now later there's a even a narrowing further of the family that's allowed to be priests, but that's a that's way down the line. But just know that that you know Priests are descended from Aaron, who was a Levite. So the greater tribe of Levites were the ones who were, you know, they, they were charged with the, the duties of taking care of the tabernacle, later the temple, all of that. Whereas the priests themselves, who actually performed the sacrifices and all of that, were descended from Aaron. So they're a subclass of Levites. But the Levites had no portion in the in the nation. They were not given tribal territory. They did receive um, several cities of refuge. So they, there were several Levitical cities. And the cities of refuge were part of the legal system of Israel. And we'll talk about that later where we'll we'll run into that. It, it is talked about it later in Deuteronomy. Verses 13 and 14. Beware, lest you offer your burnt offering in every cultic place you see, but in the place which Yahweh chooses in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all I am commanding you. So he's saying, don't, don't worship God Everywhere now, this is not this is not saying don't worship God everywhere because all of life is to be lived in worship to God, and you know wherever you are, you are to worship God. But what he's saying is don't 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 offer offerings everywhere, especially not in all the cultic places of the Canaanites, which at the beginning of chapter twelve they are told to destroy. So he's saying, you know, yeah, it's going to be inconvenient to take your sacrifices to Jerusalem or to where the central place. It eventually ends up as Jerusalem, but at the beginning it was Shiloh. It's it's the, the tabernacle was set up at Shiloh by the end of the book of Joshua, and it was there for over 300 years. So well into the time of 
of Samuel and the first king, the the tabernacle was in Shiloh. So you you have this you know central place that God is going to establish, and that's where you're supposed to worship. And it's going to be inconvenient for you to move to that place and and do all your worshiping there, but deal with the inconvenience because this is what God has commanded you. And then he says, um, oh, let's see, I'm looking at the clock. We're going to pick up in verse 15 tomorrow. So I will leave that there. We will close with verse 14 today. So we're looking at the fact that that Israel was to worship God where and how and when God decreed, not how they decreed. And this is so important to the church today that we need to recognize this because so much of how we quote-unquote worship is done to please man, not to please God. And I think a lot of what is called worship in the church here in North America is, in fact, offensive to God and a violation of what God has commanded. We need to think clearly about these things. We need to think biblically about these things. That we're not supposed to do whatever we think is right. We're supposed to worship God as he has commanded. Um, different subject for a different day, but definitely something worth thinking about. Um, I would encourage any of you who are interested in pursuing this topic further to get Scott Annual's book, The Biblical Foundation of Corporate Worship. It's a little bitty book, five chapters, take you an afternoon to read. Important to start thinking about that stuff. And of course you can dig much deeper but it's a it's a good place to start and so i would encourage you to pick up that little book and give it a read all right let us now recite our faith in the words of the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth i believe in jesus christ his only son our lord he was conceived by the holy spirit and born of the virgin mary he suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic of the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that we may receive what we ask. Teach us by your Holy Spirit to ask only those things that are pleasing to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you in the same Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, 
in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Tuesday, the 18th day of July. I hope you have the best of days ahead of you. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.